Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Got a little bit ahead of myself here. Do I look dark in here? Well, it's, it's, there's, it's cloudy all over the place. Good morning. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. My name is Patrick Timpone. I tried to change it to Nicole Kidman, but then I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, how are you guys doing? Really raining here. So we uh, we're just talking to the Internet gods and uh, and just giving them our best. And we'll see how we do. Um, in a couple of hours, we're going to talk about abundance, you know, abundance, kind of like the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, where you just print all the money you want and then lend it to the country. That's that's abundant. So we're a very abundant country. And uh we're into debt and money, and it's it's great. And we're going to talk about what money is with this lady, in and and uh, with abundance, and you'll be surprised what money really is. Okay, um, and then tomorrow Adam Berkstrom will be here, and then also Richard Proctor. Speaking of money, he has a new book out called uh, "The Lies the Banker Tells You When You're Sleeping," and it's a great book. He's a constitutional guy, and uh, if you understand the way banking works. You'll probably never use a credit card again, but you can if you want. So we're going to have fun this morning and introduce you to a fellow by the name of Varus Ahmad. And he uh, finds himself in uh, Thailand this morning where it's 11 o'clock. We've been talking a lot about carnivore, as you know, the last six, seven months. And I'm uh, doing a lot of uh, meat and stuff. And uh, a listener sent me a video from Virus Ahmad, and it was really cool. And he actually had a little clip of a of a, 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 an interview we did with uh, Agenis Vanderplanets many years ago of Patrick and, and Agenis, and um, he was talking about eating raw meat. And so that's kind of a fun idea. So we have a lot to talk about. He's into permaculture and uh, regenerative farming. And Mr. Ahmad, thank you so much for being here, and uh, uh, welcome to One Radio Network. Thank you. It's a privilege to be on the network. <laughs> you know, I've been listening to you guys since I was a teenager, um, 18, 19 years old. No, yeah, really? So, really? <laughs> really? Yeah, oh, about a decade ago, so I was maybe like 20. Wow. So it's just funny, you know, 10 years ago, I'm here being interviewed on the One Radio Network. So you're 30 years old. You're just a kid. It's just great. No. I, yeah, I just turned 31 uh, three, four days ago. Amazing. Are you into a lot of cool stuff? You must have been a pretty noodle kid. Were you? Uh, what kind of childhood you had, mom and dad? Yeah, um, both parents were in picture. Um, since a young age, when I was about twelve or thirteen, my father had caught sight that I was um, pursuing my own independent studies. I'd love to research things on my own, and I'd come home from school, do homework, and then I'd go on a laptop and just read about history wow. and when that caught his attention he um had me initiated into uh sufi uh orders wow and just so sufi orders so from a very young age i had um tutelage training and education from uh you could say these spiritual esoteric orders which sufism is like the um it's the equivalent of what gnosticism would be to christianity it's the esoteric or veiled uh, hidden concept of the religion. And there's uh, intellectual training, spiritual training, and so on. 
what, was Rumi a Sufi? Exactly, yeah. He was. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Somebody brought up a quote from Rumi on my show a couple of weeks ago, strangely enough, and was about, he was talking about the way to know God, and it's um, the first way you can try prayer, and then there's meditation, and then there's conversation. And similar to my spiritual path, which is Ekankar, which is contemplation, which is conversation, it's a bit higher practice than meditation. Does that resonate with you? It does, because these social conversations with another, uh, if you remember yourself in that moment, uh, you can um, remember what you are not, the personality, and realize that you are the other. And in that social moment you can really uh, climb to a higher state of consciousness where you see the single being in yourself and the other who are who's communicating with you so without a doubt yeah it's yeah. like a, for me um <laughs> also environments with family they are in a sense like a training they train the the soul to bypass the ego yes exactly exactly i spent a lot of years just sitting observing my thought, thoughts, right? And, and, I, and I, I'm out as I look back on that, even though it was a good training, it was really a waste of time. You know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, it really was, you know? It doesn't get you very far. Does it? <laughs> it's amazing. Well, a social environment, you know, you can have enough people pushing your buttons and pulling your triggers, and that's the opportunity right there to see if you can transcend those... Uh, automatic reactions you have ingrained within yourself. Right. So it feels like divine spirit puts us in place with people and through the magic of spirit to get those special button pushers so we learn. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's that, my perception. Is that your perception? Well, yeah. Yeah. So what would you, how'd you get this interest in uh, in, in nutrition, like you talk a, a great deal about. And and by the way, uh, Ahmad doesn't have a website. He's the only man on planet Earth that does it, on the Earth plane, rather, that doesn't have a website. So they, Google keeps, and YouTube, they keep trying to email and want to give him a free one. But no, he doesn't have one. So he just, uh, so you just do YouTube videos a lot. And, and tell us about your work and what do you do? Uh, in regards to my published work or my um, professional work? Both. Um, so my published work, I primarily write about nutrition. And I also um, talk a lot about that on YouTube. And uh, essentially, my stance on nutrition is that it is a, an open conversation with no limits and that all dogmas should be put aside and there's an extreme amount of nuance in all of this mm. and there's there's no ideal diet and uh, there should be uh, specific diets catered for different aims and people should understand exactly how food affects their body for whatever particular aim they're trying to accomplish and again all of this can be learned through conversation and my books really revolve around that idea mm. i don't believe there's a single optimal diet for everybody um, my professional work. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
My professional work, um, early on when I was in my early 20s, I was um, a military contractor with the Department of Defense. I did that for two years and um, they paid well. And that gave me the opportunity to um, leave work completely and pursue my studies. Um, and I also had my, my teachers in the Sufi order I was initiated in uh, offer me a stipend uh, where I could basically, it was an allowance where I could meet my basic necessities and requirements and pursue my own studies. And that led me to permaculture and regenerative farming. Ah. Um, I got into it because though I was an intellectual and I was always an athlete, I noticed that I was starting to fa fail in my health. And actually there were certain things that happened to me which you know made me really sick. Uh, for example, being over vaccinated when I had worked with the Department of Defense, they really died and I started to get autistic-like symptoms, and so that forced me to get into nutrition. And then reading about nutrition forced me to get into the source of the food, which was regenerative farming. And uh, from there, um, I pursued a career in regenerative farming. I found a passion of working in the hills, mountains, and deserts and uh, designing regenerative farms. And tell folks who have never heard that word, or, or they've heard it but don't understand it, what exactly that is, regenerative farming. Oh, man. <clears throat> you can ask a um, hundred different regenerative farmers regenerative farming is, and each of them will give you a different answer, and they're all right. They're all correct. Um, in my perspective, regenerative farming is a very intelligent and wise way of uh, creating sustainable food systems that feed large communities, but that are not only sustainable, but are regenerative to the ecology, meaning that every single year and season, your collective farm gets stronger, more resilient to disease, you produce a higher yield. And in, in addition to all that, you contribute to the well-being and welfare of the ecology around your farm. So it's a it's a much bigger picture perspective than just conventional agricultural farming, which only fits on a return on investment. That is my um idea of what regenerative farming is. Uh -huh. So Ahmad, there's a way to uh, plant seeds, bring forth different crops, and even though you're taking something, um, something's going back in at the same time energetically. So that's a regeneration, so you're not depleting as you go. Is that close? Exactly. Exactly. You're, you're not only um, replenishing your soils post-harvest with the uh, ex excess carbon and nitrogenous material on the farm, and you're also adding uh, healthy manures from animals and designing um, very craft-quality compost teas. So we'd get, for example, hmm. castings from healthy worms, from healthy horses, healthy cows. Uh, put that in huge um, water containers that contain upwards of 50 to 100 gallons of water. And we aerate that with an aerator, mm. like put bubbles in it. And then we put in rock dust, kelp, uh, all kinds of um, wow. very mineral dense plant uh, products. And uh, the fusion of all that creates a very strong probiotic mineral dense um, soil replenisher. And then we, we, we spray that on the entire landscape. And over time, what you observe is that uh, 
it doesn't the farm gets better and better every single year and by the third or fourth year there's this like strong vibrancy wow. it almost looks like as if somebody put you know when you take a picture of something and you can increase the vibrancy the colors yes sir uh regenerative farming does that in real life to a to a landscape and it permeates beyond the farm. It slowly reaches, you know, the ecological zones around the farm, which you are not even harvesting from. It slowly kind of reaches out energetically to the forest or fruit trees or, or whatever in, in the surrounding area. Yeah, exactly. So if you're in the Pacific Northwest and you're farming in a valley, you're surrounded by surrounded by a pine forest all around you. Uh -huh. um, the, the 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 pine trees and parts of that edge which or parts of that forest which are right along the edge of your farm will become noticeably more ecologically diverse and active than uh, the, the 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 forest a mile down the road really yeah and, and it's pretty powerful stuff. It, it's happening on the physical as well as the energetic plane or the other both and, and both. both it's happening are, on both yeah. are you familiar with uh, rudolf steiner i am yes Okay, yeah, so, you know, it corresponds, it's both the above and the below, the spiritual and the physical. Right. Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that lately in the last four or five years. You know, I'm such a spiritual geek, but it feels like even when we do things physically, food or whatever, that it also goes back, back the other way as above, so below. Do you think so? I mean... Yeah, very much so. I believe my uh, understanding is that uh, the physical world is a mirror of the spiritual world, yeah. and it is connected. Although the spiritual world is um, uh, anterior or interior and superior, it's the cause. Yes, sir. It is still uh, by chain of effects connected to the physical world, so we can perform physical actions which ripple into the spiritual world. Right, and so we work out karma or whatever. Uh, you know, we might punch somebody in the nose, don't recommend that, and then we'll work that out in the <laughs> spiritual world that night, you know. <laughs> don't, you know, don't, yeah, don't do that, yeah. Do you, do you uh, work with your dreams, remember your dreams and all that? Uh, yeah, primarily, you know, I, I would say that the dream world is my, one of my least developed faculties. I've never been a great, um, uh, dreamer, you know, there's certain people who can astral project and astral travel. I'm not one of those at all. Um, so what I simply do in the dream world is I just ask my higher self for whatever I need to receive. Adam, and I always you. receive. There you go. Yeah. And I'm fairly adept at um, mythology and symbolism. And so I have um, an ability to uh, decode the symbolism through which my higher self is trying to communicate to me through. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, one of our spiritual yeah. exercises is just to, as you go to sleep, maybe do your um, chant to certain words and things like that and softly, and this, just tell the spiritual master, my teacher, you know, just take me wherever I need to go to grow spiritually. You know, just give it up, you know, and then, then do it that way, yeah. yeah. Same principle, yeah. same principle, yeah. yeah. Did the Sufis do this whirling dervish thing where they spin and and leave their body that way? What is that Sufi or did, am I misrepresenting that? Yeah, that is Sufism. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the, the 
primary aim and purpose of those uh, whirling dances, the dervishes, is to, um, in the physical plane, they're mimicking the Fibonacci spirals that, that occur throughout nature. And in that spiral and dance, they go into a transcendental state of consciousness. They lose uh, identity with the personality consciousness. Right. And then when you lose identity with the ego or the personality or Ahmad or Patrick, then we got to go somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Because <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. our attention has to be somewhere, so we're just somewhere else. Our attention is somewhere else. Yeah, and um, they would reply that um, they are in no mind with the universal all. Yeah, with, with God, right, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There must be a lot of really... Um, spiritually minded people where you are right now in, in Thailand, right? The, the Buddhists pretty big out there, right? Buddhism. They have a very strong Buddhist tradition here. I mean, there's uh, just here in Chiang Mai, it's a small city in the north of Thailand, and they have over 200 temples, very beautiful temples too, wow. but there's over 200 of them, small, like five square mile area. And you are in Thailand because? I came out here in September to um, work on a team that was designing a regenerative farm. Um, that job was completed in about a month, and then I stayed behind because I wanted to learn Tai Chi, and they have um, a great Tai Chi master out here that I'm learning from. Oh, yeah. Is Tai Chi similar to Qigong? Kinda? It is. is yeah, it? it is. Okay. I, it's just the martial art version of Qigong. The martial art version yeah. So Qigong is a bit more slow, focuses a lot more on um, the energy uh, and, and movement, whereas uh, Tai Chi, they'll add some uh, movements that mimic a martial art performance. Ah. And um, yeah, and it's for younger people who kind of, uh, you know, we want to look cool when we're doing our Qigong. That's <laughs> 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 all it is. Have you have you you uh, practiced qigong as well? I have, yeah, but at uh, an elementary level. Um, if you're familiar with the man, uh, Master Montak Chia. Oh yeah, I know him. He's cool. Yeah. So watched him for many years, and you know, learned from him just what he had available on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I did a little qigong for uh, one of the fellows that was teaching me. He said that it's really important to constrict your anal sphincter when you do these things. Did somebody teach you that? Mm. <laughs> hey, that's funny, isn't it? What, what's that about? I never did ask him why, I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's to help uh, transform the energy upward, the energy that's coiled at the base of the spine. Which is Montauk Chia's whole thing with sexuality and all of that, right? Channeling the yeah. sexuality thing up the back and, and down into your Dantian or something like that. Yeah, I read his exactly. Book. Yeah. yeah, I read his book. So. We talk with Varus Ahmad. He's in Thailand for a regenerative farming thing. If you'd like to join the show, ask him a question, or uh, girls, if you like, want to ask him out, call him at triple eight six just six triple eight <laughs> six. Always trying to hook people up. Triple eight six six three sixty three eighty six. Email Patrick at one radio network dot com. Um, one of your books I saw on Amazon, it's, this is great. Uh, Nutrition and Hair Loss, A New Perspective on Male Pattern Baldness. 
that had to be pretty popular. I mean, there's so many guys, you know. I mean, it's like uh, talk about that. What? What? How you? What did you learn about that? Why guys lose their their hair? Um, <laughs> it's a great book, and it is pretty popular. And uh, I bet it is. Um, I bet it there is. have been a lot of people. A lot of people emailed me appreciating the work, and I basically just pointed out some very obvious things which do not happen to be common sense today. And my my whole thesis on hair loss, well, first, you know, when I got vaccinated with the Department of Defense, yeah, um, they gave me forty four. It was forty four or forty six vaccines. Wow! And they gave me like this plunger. Yeah, it was yeah. like it was like some kind of plunger where they have like four or five vaccines and they hit you with five or six at a time. And they did that. And then they did a dental or oral check on me and said, you have a small cavity, go back to your home state, get that fixed and come back so we can process you and you can go overseas. I said, sure, fine. I did that. And when I came back to Fort Bragg, the army base where they were processing me, they gave me those 44 vaccines again a second time. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was, yeah. <laughs> I was 19 at the time. And at that time, I, I remember looking at the nurse, the army nurse, like, I just got this, you know, a few weeks ago. I don't think this is safe. And she was like, no, no, it's nothing. Oh, it's and just punched away, you know. <laughs> so that happened. And within like two months after that, I started losing hair. Oh. And within about 15 months after that i had like full-blown autistic symptoms wow. i couldn't look at people in the eye couldn't make eye contact couldn't socialize i would think something and i couldn't put it into words wow and so i knew you know i had been screwed up uh i had to let go of the job because i simply couldn't communicate i came home and that's when i got into nutrition and um long story short i tried many things to help reverse the autism and finally uh raw milk is what worked for me raw milk um i yeah yeah i tried like everything you know i mean there's the raw eggs veganism juicing and raw milk is what did it i think it's the raw sulfur content in there the raw sulfur? The heavy metal. did you yeah. say sulfur yeah okay hmm. yeah Interesting. um and um however i was still losing hair and i was like okay if i brought myself back from the depths of autism i'm sure this hair loss cannot be very difficult either right and basically what i did was I had purchased a wooden comb and I decided that I would stop doing everything. I would stop eating uh, for about two, three days and comb my hair and see if it is if it lessens or not. And I found that when I did fast, um, my hair loss or hair fall would decrease significantly. And then when I would resume everything else that I did in my life, uh, I would find the triggers of what caused it to fall and what would not cause it to fall. And so I came to a series of conclusions. Okay, well, if I have very bad gluten or wheat, that gives great. me a headache. That's great. Also shedding hair, you know? And so there were several things like that. And I basically amalgamated all of that into the book. Um, and then uh, when, when I removed food allergies, later I found, about, found out about infrared saunas, right. uh, environmental pollutants, and all this stuff. And when I went into that and started that therapy, uh, the hair loss uh, completely stopped and had come to the conclusion that these pollutants and metals inside of my fat cells and brains and organs were causing uh, hormonal dysregulation. They were causing my glands to uh, fail to function properly. When I simply had them removed through the infrared sauna use and chlorella and things like that, um, I simply stopped losing hair completely. Now, I can still trigger it today if I eat like really bad bread. Really? Uh, I'll, I'll like shed hair for like two, three days. 
yeah, I can still trigger it really bad. Um, <laughs> if I just do, you know, the wrong things, trigger my hair loss. Um, if I go on a, a, like a very low carb, zero carb diet within two, three days, I'll start losing hair as well. And I believe that's because uh, two reasons, um, excess adrenaline and cortisol, because my body's craving the carbohydrates. Um, and also I have found uh, that if I go too long without any fiber and have too many animal foods in my diet, that if I don't excrete the animal fats and hormones or foods through my digestive tract fast enough, they will accumulate, amalgamate, and cause uh, hormonal dysregulation much the same way that maybe taking synthetic steroids may. Whoa. And I remember reading Ogenis's work, and Ogenis also said that it's advisable for people to take some cooked starch every two or three days so that they can remove excess hormones. And so I found him corroborate my findings as well. And then I used the study, uh, an example of primitive and indigenous cultures and their practices and their hair care routines and show that actually um, losing hair is not necessarily normal. It doesn't have to happen at all because the majority of the indigenous cultures out in the world, they don't lose hair hmm. and they have dark black hair until they pass away. Um, and the one example I give of where an indigenous culture does bald, where it's very prevalent, uh, where the Maasai, and I, I again reiterate there that that is because they are on an extremely low carb, almost no fiber diet, getting too many hormones from their dairy, blood, and meat. And this is causing a buildup of hormones in the system, which is aggravating their male pattern baldness. And then I show how all these other indigenous cultures around the world in their 70s and 80s have long, thick, gray hair. They are all uh, consuming some form of safe starch or carbohydrate some plants some mineral dense plants in addition to nose to tail animal consumption whatever it may be in local to their environment i'm sorry you, you cut out a little bit in addition to a lot of animal consumption they're doing some starch uh vegetables yeah uh yeah it could be either like white rice or white potatoes uh, uh -huh. yuca um you know yams various yams cassava in the amazon and they all also, the ones that I found to have the most thickest and darkest hair well into their old age, they're eating um, starches in like either rice, potatoes, or cassava, as well as nose-to-tail animal consumption. But most importantly, all of them incorporate some type of very mineral-dense plant food. So, for example, the forest people of Vietnam and Thailand, they, ha they have a lot of bamboo. They, they boil bamboo in their soups and with their rice and fish stews, and this gives them an incredible dose of minerals. Huh. Uh, in the Amazon, the mineral they have a mineral source there as well. I can't recall what it was right now. Oh, they they um, rotate. Though they're primitive people, they do farm and they have these small little gardens, and they instinctually know to never plant in the same uh, small little same plot of soil again. Yeah, and so they they alternate and they uh, consume or extract very uh, high concentration of minerals. Uh, from healthy soils and then you have like the east asian cultures uh, outside of thailand and um, vietnam you have like the koreans and japanese who consume lots of seaweed, seaweed. and they're getting their um, yeah great source of minerals from their seaweed and uh, i show how these trace minerals which can only be found in high concentrations in certain plant foods like seaweed or bamboo how they are integral to the uh, trace mineral needs of the body which are very difficult to find in modern foods. Uh, so this would be pretty good argument for um, being like a total carnivore 
you know, just meat, uh, fat, salt, you know, like a lot of them are promoting, um, that it could be potentially long-term an issue for some people. Could be. You know, I think there are dozens of potential issues with this meat-only way of eating Pure. long-term. Mm. Really? Yeah. I, and I've made, you know, two videos, many videos about that now. Um, but also, there is the fact that very many people do indeed uh, feel many therapeutic benefits when they go carnivore. Sure. Um, there's no denying that. But my argument would be, is it the carnivore diet? Is it that that's optimal? Or is it because these people have depopulated gut floras, damaged digestive tracts, and now they cannot tolerate any plant fiber? And they're so metabolically deranged from a lifetime of high fructose corn syrup in each and every single package and processed food that the pancreas simply cannot regulate uh, blood sugar anymore. And so thus they've been cornered into the carnivore diet. I kind of lost you there because, um, but let's see, you were going for uh, this idea that when people just do pure carnivore, it disrupts the, the biome, but then that would make them feel worse, right? So I, what did I miss there? I'm sorry. Um, so the question was, are, are there potential consequences right. Right. of going carnivore sure. long-term? And I would say, yes, there are, perhaps a dozen or so uh, serious issues with this that we can discuss later. Um, but my argument would be is that these people who feel much better on the carnivore diet... Right. For the first few, the six months they, or a year or whatever, right? Yeah. And there are multiple reasons for it. One of them is that because it's an elimination diet... They're removing everything but meat, right. you know, that's one. And number two is that their guts have been depopulated prior to their uh, embarking on the carnivore diet from all the glyphosate, the antibiotics and alcohol and many other factors, which basically ruined their gut flora or damaged the digestive tract during the course of their lifetime or during the over the course of their lives. And this basically uh, gave them autoimmune symptoms. And so when they found that, hey, if I remove all plant foods and only eat meat, they got much better. There's no denying that. But my argument is, is that it's not the that the carnivore diet is ideal or optimal. It's that the digestive tract has been destroyed and thus they, they, they can't uh, tolerate any plant foods. They can't tolerate any plant fibers. Ah, so they feel better not eating the plants. Yeah, huh. but that's that, that shouldn't be an argument that the carnivore diet is now ideal. Right. On these people yeah, you know I mean? with the with the dark hair, um, how often would they do the starch in general? Did, and even Ajanis, I, I don't recall what he talked about. What do you, what do you think is a is a thing that people could go by if they're doing carnivore? Maybe add starch every two three days, rice or potatoes or something. Well. The indigenous people were consuming it on a daily basis. They were. Oh. In the Amazon, in the Amazon, uh, all of the indigenous tribes, and there are perhaps over 100 of them, they all consume something called, uh, it's either called chicha or chica. Hmm. And basically what it is, is they get uh, cassava root. Right, cassava. And the woman, yeah, the woman chew it and then spit out the fiber and they let that ferment. They ferment the cassava with their saliva. It's like women sitting in a group, you know, they're chewing through the cassava and spit it into a pile. They let that ferment and pre-digest, just like a sourdough bread. <laughs> and 
And then they put it inside water and they mash it in the water. And they are basically drinking this starchy glucose. It's like an indigenous Gatorade with glucose, electrolytes, minerals. And they're drinking that every single day throughout the day. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And, you know, in, in East Asia, white rice daily is very common. Now, for us, for people who are living in the industrialized world, of course, many of us may be metabolically deranged. And I, and I would say it's not the cause or the fault of these um, ancestrally consistent starches and carbohydrates like potatoes, yams, and white rice, but it's actually the high fructose corn syrup, which was fortified in all the packaged and processed foods that we sure. grew up on. Yeah. And this causes us to not be able to tolerate these foods. And so each of us in the modern world has to find an individual tolerance some may be only be able to some may only be able to tolerate it once every three days others may be able to tolerate it once a day or two three times a day but my my perspective my perspective is that the harness of starchy glucose from the environment and cooking it and making it digestible is equivalent to us building spears to go hunt down animals and sharp knives to cut part and to butcher them and to hard to access the meat that this is something that the human brain through its uh intellect was able to um acquire from nature and it, it was a necessary part of our development of our of our evolution as human beings hmm. the acquisition of starch environment do you recall and i say to prove go, go ahead. ahead no no that's do, do you recall what Ajanis um, talked about years ago as far as the starches what did i don't remember did he talk about having potatoes or rice every now and then to get rid of this uh the 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 too much um, yeah so in uh it was one of his books it was it, it was either in we want to live or recipe for living without disease but he recommended that every two to three days uh people have his starch formula his starch formula was actually um soaked nuts or seeds blended huh get your starch from that but then later on in his videos um he then recommended white rice he told people you know what you can also have white rice if you if you need and i find that the white rice is much better because the nuts and seeds if you blend them and consume consume them like that they'll ferment in the digestive tract because a lot of these plant fibers need your saliva in order to digest properly if that makes sense yeah and i think that's why I, he also transitioned uh, later and advised people to have some white rice. Uh, and the words he used was, you may end up feeling stringy. Stringy? If you feel stringy, yeah. And I think that's like um, what he was trying to allude to was when you have a lot of adrenaline or cortisol pumping through your body because you're lacking glucose, to have some starch. And then he also uh, acknowledged that the fiber from the starch will uh, remove excess hormones in the digestive tract. So the fiber from the starch removes excess hormones that we get from the beef or lamb or uh, eggs and things like that. Hmm. Yeah, so um, because the modern industrial people, all of us are very unhealthy compared to what we could have been a thousand, two thousand years ago even. Sure. And so it takes a long time to push all this food through the digestive tract, especially if you overcook it and, you know, you've gone a lifetime of just a lot of stress. You have weaker adrenal glands, weaker pancreas, weaker liver, stomach acid, etc. And if the transit time of these animal foods takes too long, 
they will build up in the digestive tract and it causes hormonal imbalances. Oh. Hmm. That makes sense. I used to do a lot of soaked almonds every morning, Ahmed, for years. And then I, I quit them about seven months ago because of the whole oxalate thing. But now I just went back doing soaked almonds about a week ago and I like them. So I just bless them and say, if there's any oxalates in there, I'm, I don't care. <laughs> I just eat them. You know, <laughs> you know it's like, you know, these, this oxalate, this is the new uh, enemy and boogeyman of the of, of the, the nutritional community. Right. It's a new one. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Six new, it's like it the new terrorist. You know? It's Russia or Iran, right? Or something. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they have, you know, it's just, it's kind of ridiculous to me. Speaking of these almonds, though. Yeah. Um, one of the most energy giving foods, which I incorporate on a daily basis and I learned this from a man named Lou Corona, if you're familiar with I've him. I've heard the name, yes, I've heard the name. A great longevity uh, master. The guy's about 70 now, but he's like really in shape. And um, what he basically taught me to do was you soak these almonds for 24 hours. Right. And then you blend them in a blender with coconut fat. If you can get like a raw coconut and uh, shell out the meat portion. Huh and mix that with the almonds and blend them together. But also go the additional step of opening up a probiotic capsule hmm. and uh, dispersing the probiotic content into the blender. Hmm. And, you know, he said, blend it up until it becomes like a, a hummus-like consistency. And you would have to add some water to this in order to um, achieve that hummus-like consistency. And you then let it sit for about four hours, four to six hours. And what the probiotic capsules do is that they pre-digest the almonds for you. And I love it. It is my, it doesn't taste great, it tastes like vomit, but <laughs> it makes me feel so good. Really? And essentially, this is the equivalent of, um, uh, do you remember Agenis' high meats? Oh yeah, I, I remember that, yeah. Th this is the same concept, except you're doing it with an almond. You're, you're pre-digesting all of the amino acids and minerals and they become bioavailable to your body and brain the second they hit your stomach. There's wow. nothing you need to really digest. Yeah. So just soaking them and chewing them well doesn't get it as much as if you add the coconut fat. Um, you don't, I mean, you wouldn't have to add the coconut fat. The coconut fat, this uh, Lucaroni, he recommends it. And I think it is wise to add it because it is a saturated fat, a raw saturated right. fat. Mm -hmm. um, and the body can't use that for fuel. Uh, and then blending them and putting the probiotic makes it far more bioavailable than just soaking them and chewing them. I got you. Because you, so, yeah. Um, something interesting, it's some of the only uh, species in nature which can properly digest nuts and seeds are the birds. And part of the way they do that is because of their gizzards. Their gizzards? When they <laughs> chew and swallow gizzards, yeah. When they swallow and chew a nut or seed, they have this uh, almost pebble-like stone in their gizzard, which they grind against the nut and the nut or seed. And then they regurgitate it, chew on it a bit more, and take it back into the gizzard. And it's basically like a, a, a biological blender. That's what the gizzard is. <laughs> They're breaking it down pebble. And so with, with the, you know, a Nutribullet or something, yeah. we're basically mimicking what the bird is doing. But I think going a step further and pre-digesting it with the probiotic makes it just that much better. Yeah. I wonder, uh, 
coconut fat, not coconut oil, but you're talking about getting one of those little coconuts you can buy at the store and then and then scooping out that that gooey that gooey meat, the coconut meat. That or do you do the, exactly or do you get the hard coconuts and actually put the hard meat in there? There's two different kinds you can get. Does it matter? It doesn't matter. I've um, experimented with both. Uh, the The softer flesh, the softer coconut meat, comes out better and tastes better. Yeah, and it's easier to work with too. You get those. They had them. At, they have them at yeah. uh, hippie food stores, right? Or they used to. We used to use a lot of those, and you just scoop them up. You know. Well, that's pretty trippy. Yeah. That's a neat idea. Wow. I wonder if you wanted to just. It, it gives the. The, the mental high that Arjunus talked about with the high meat, yes, sir. The, the serotonin, it gives it 100%. Wow. I mean, like, I will not live without this stuff anymore. I feel so good. And it's immediate. You know, after a few tablespoons, you're wow. like, oh, my God. Give us an yeah. idea on the proportions because uh, people will want to try this. So say we have 10 soaked almonds and, you know, then just... Oh, buy a cup. I'd say, you know, soak uh, a cup of almonds for 24 hours. And it's important that it is raw and not pasteurized. Right. And, uh, Get the know, good almonds. Yeah. You have to make sure they're raw. Yeah, make sure they're raw. Uh, soak them for 24 hours. Uh, drain the water. Put it inside of a blender. Uh, put the coconut fat in there. And you would only add enough water to just submerge the almonds. You don't want to go too much water. Because then after you blend it, it's going to be the wrong consistency. It's going to be more like a too watery, like a smoothie. And you want it like a like a hummus. Like a hummus. So add the water slowly. Yeah, like a hummus. And once that is done, once you've blended all that together and you've also put the probiotic in there, just put it inside of a plastic container and let it sit four to six hours. Um, and it's ready to be consumed at about the four-hour mark. And then you can just store it inside the refrigerator. Yeah, and then so do you uh, store it with a lid or without a lid? Uh, with a lid. With a with lid. lid. And it'll continue to ferment. Yeah, it'll continue to ferment in the refrigerator. And um, within two days, it will literally taste like um, like vomit, like just <laughs> the worst possible thing. But it gets even more potent. Oh. <laughs> it gets even better. So it's just a choice when you want to discard oh, it. Man, and, it's, and it tastes that. like that because yeah. <laughs> it just shows that, you know, when it's being digested by this bacteria, they pr produce uh, acidic byproducts. And that's just how it's mm -hmm. going to taste. Dear friend of mine who maybe this goes back 10 years or so, or I don't know. She, um, she did a, a, a weekend thing seminar with Ajanas and she was really amazed at how good he looked and his piercing blue eyes and she was like she couldn't believe this guy just ate raw meat you know and so she did it and she really liked it but uh, but he, she she also said something I thought I always remember she said he he smelled a little gamey you know he smelled a little gamey <laughs> uh. but I wouldn't you know I don't know why eating things raw would make you get have a gamey smell. I've never noticed that. I do mostly, but you know, I don't know. In my experience, uh, that is the case when I'm having a lot of raw meat, and I go to my mother's house. She, immediately, she like stops me at the door and go gets like spray and sprays me <laughs> down the fence so you can enter the house. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. 
I got to be careful that, you know, it's just not a good way to, you know, to be attracted to the opposite section. But maybe girls like Jamie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do, what do I know? You know, maybe maybe they think you're, you're a good, uh, you know, guy to go out and kill buffaloes and support the kids. I mean, you know, you just, you never know. Perhaps if you can find the right woman. <laughs> That's right. You got to be a girl. Maybe the girls are calling. Would you stay right there? We want to promote a couple products. We'll be right back. It's great stuff. And don't you love talking to people like this? It's just so cool. Uh, OneRadioNetwork.com. It is a um, Tuesday morning, the 24th. Uh, just a little update on how we do things around here is we support ourselves by um, promoting various products that we really like that we use and that, uh, you know, we're not into a lot of different supplements, but everything that we promote um, is uh, from a living source. I think the only one would be the sulfur, but even sulfur is originally, I think, from pine, DMSO, and uh, so it's pretty close, but we like sulfur. I'm going to mention sulfur. It's a great product. We take it every day. It's a pure sulfur. You can find it on our website, oneradionetwork.com. And if you go to Shen Blossom, I just kind of got the hit. He has a bamboo product on there, and I'm going to get some of that. As a matter of fact, I may have it, one of those things you buy and you never purchase. But Shen Blossom, uh, speaking of Qigong, he's a Qigong guy and a Chinese medicine fellow. I've known Brandon Amalani forever, and uh, he has some Hoshu Wu uh, do a traditional Chinese medicine where they do the whole black bean thing. He has 50-year-old ginseng. I mean, this is the real deal, folks. Uh, these are um, really authentic um, uh, Chinese medicine formulas that go back a long time. Many of them are so um, sacred, he doesn't, he's not even allowed to talk about them. But this is the real deal. You're not just getting some ginseng from a, you know, in a little bottle at the at the 7-Eleven, you know, or whatever. Uh, 50-year-old ginseng, uh, Hoshu Wu, um, 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 this this product here, this one will, this guy's will float your boat. Uh, this is called um, Arise, and you read the ingredients in this guy, and ashwagandha, garlic scrapes, and chia, um, and just all kinds of food. That's all that's in here. And this is for kind of libido thing, but it's not, you know, it's not like a thing that just goes south of the border and then, you know, you party down. This is uh, this is like a whole body kind of just chi mojo. You know Chinese medicine. So he's got some great products. Check this out on Shen Blossom on One uh, Radio Network. And then if you go over to Sir Thrival, he's got a few things here that uh, in the similar vein where we have pine pollen. Ahmad mentioned pine trees. Pine trees are pretty cool. I mean, that's what they original, I think the original source of DMSO, right? Pine tree, isn't, isn't it pine? And then, of course, pine pollen. And they get that when the flowers do their the trees do their thing and scatters around the ocean. I mean the uh, um, the forest, and then elk velvet antler, and they actually get the elk velvet from the antlers of farm-raised elk in New Zealand, and um, they use this and make this product with it. And they don't uh, put tourniquets or give the elk uh, drugs or anything. Uh, uh, we had a little video. I think we put it on face uh, Facebook where they showed an elk uh, shaking off, and they got these huge, um, these huge, you know, these huge things, right? And they shake it off, and they just fall off, and then they grow them again. Can you imagine? These things are like, you know, shaking off your arm and growing a new one. 
lot of growth factors. And um, so these are pretty powerful things that you can get through one radio network. Uh, these three, and then Ahmed mentioned uh, uh, infrared saunas. We do one every day and have for 10 years using the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. It's actually made um, pretty close. To, it's made out in, in uh, Taiwan. And if the uh, Chinese don't invade it and take it over, we'll probably, I just, I shouldn't even say that out loud. Um, in uh, Taiwan and at a medical university, these are amazing, 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 amazing. They're very quiet, no electromagnetic fields that are a problem. You sit in them with your head out, jump in there every day, you sweat and jump in a cold shower and you just are ready to take on the world. So these are products. The only way to get the sauna at a, at a good price, the best price ever, is to email me, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com and we'll sell it to you for $12.95. That is tax title license in all of the lower 48. For those of you in uh, Petaluma, that doesn't include, I know they didn't teach you this, doesn't include uh, Alaska or Hawaii. And uh, Canada, we ship them for about 200 bucks. But we'll send them, uh, we'll sell you one for 1295 if you live in the lower 48, the Relax Far Infrared Sauna. The only way to get it is to email me, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Okay. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We're talking with a fun guy. His name is Ahmad uh, Varis Ahmad. And right now he's in Vietnam because doing a little uh, work with regenerative farming. He's written a whole bunch of books. I'm just on Amazon right now. We talked about the hair loss. He's got another one, The Vegan Agenda, uh, The Vegan Agenda Exposed, How Plant-Based Diets Contribute to Premature Aging, Nutritional uh, Fortification and Physical Development, The Disease of Kings, Raw Food Nutritional Basics. You got all kinds of things. Living Foods and Bioenergetic Nutrition. So are, for those of us who like and do well on animal foods, is this an argument for doing them raw, virus? I mean, the eggs and the butter, mm -hmm. the cheese and the meat, everything, the milk? Well, here's how I would phrase it. Okay. Um, if you feel that you need more energy, then start to transition more of your foods to raw foods, more of your animal foods to raw foods, until you find a sweet spot where you go, wow, this is a lot of energy, and right. I'm happy with it. Right. But you can't go too extreme that way, where you start to feel too stringy, and you feel like you need something to ground at night, and you can't sleep, and then you may need to incorporate some cooked foods. So uh, my perception or perspective is that um, the raw foods have a place in the diet, as do cooked foods. Um, and without a doubt, the raw foods uh, afford us far more energy, mental clarity, and um, are significantly more easier to digest than their cooked counterparts. Right. And that, that's true for vegetables. Well, no, vegetables, yeah, the more we cook them, the easier to digest, right? right? Uh, correct, yeah. With vegetation, it would be different. Unless, unless um, you were to go like on the a vegan diet and really develop a proper gut flora and get religious about it. And you may feel really good, but you won't look too well. That's well, my opinion. Why is that? Why, what know, happens uh, on a vegan diet? What happens? 
I don't think you can get enough protein or fat on a vegan diet mm-hmm. at all. Um, and, you know, some people do make it work, like Lou Corona, who I mentioned earlier. And uh, the way he does it is using that almond coconut formula that's giving him a very high amount of pre-digested uh, amino acids and fats. So that's exceptional and it's working for him and he's doing great. Um, Brian Clement is somebody else who's doing it and making it work. He's right. been a long-term raw vegan, uh, you know, Brian. and um, But he's also taking 30 supplements a day. And, you know, I, I've met him in person and he's an exceptional health. He's a very, very strong man, but you can't then go and recommend that to children and teenagers and young adults who are not going to know what they're getting into. So I don't really advocate for most people, but for those who would be willing to take um, the exceptional steps needed to make a diet like that work, I wrote the book Living Food uh, and Bioenergetic Nourishment, and I basically give my opinion or thesis on how you can make a raw food, living food diet work uh, for people who are interested in that in their post-reproductive years. I don't think you should ever recommend it to someone who is not in their post-reproductive years mm. at all. I think it's dangerous. Generally, the the vegan folks, um, so are you saying if they would do maybe raw eggs or cheese or some milk, that, that's not vegan, of course, but if they just tip that over, they they could maybe make it if they're getting some fat in there. Exactly. My diet for a very long time now has been raw eggs, uh, coconut smoothies where I blend the coconut and the fat, uh, this almond formula, and occasionally I'll have some cooked starches. And uh, I'm at six foot one and 200 pounds, and that is actually sustaining me. And I'm on a raw food diet. You know, it's like basically raw vegetarian. I'm incorporating the best of both worlds. And occasionally I'll have meat when my body is really craving it. And I think that if people weren't dogmatic, they could really make um, these raw food diets work. And it does, in my experience, it affords me a lot more mental clarity and energy than I could get otherwise. And the individuals who I've met who have been on raw food diets, such as Lou or Brian, they're doing exceptionally well. And of course, Ogenis was another person, and he was 100% raw animal foods with yeah. some vegetable juices. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you do raw eggs, you do also use the coconut fat, the same principle with the almonds? I Yeah, when I make the almond, uh, the blended formula, I put the coconut uh, fat, the coconut meat, inside the blender with it. and um, Right. I let both of those become pre-digested together with the probiotic. Right, but then I, I thought I heard you mention something about eggs in the coconut as well, mixing those, or did I misunderstand? Oh, no, and also occasionally uh, I'll do like just the, the coconut water and the coconut uh, meat mm-hmm. by themselves without anything okay. else. I'll blend that up. and It turns into like basically a smoothie where I have small amount of sugar, lots of electrolytes, and lots of uh, saturated fatty acids that are very easy to digest and You'll be surprised when you're getting a lot of good quality raw foods like this. It can go a long way. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about sugar. Um, I tend to do better when I have a little bit of sugar, like coconut sugar or something. I just feel better, you know? Mm -hmm. What's up with that? I mean, sugar has kind of been demonized too over the years, hasn't it? Like it's the devil and Hitler and (laughs) terrible. You're going to (laughs) die if you eat sugar. (laughs) Yeah, it has. It really has. And, um, you know, my belief is that a healthy amount of fructose and glucose has its place in the human diet always. 
and that the problem lies in the fact that much of the packaged and processed foods are fortified with uh, ungodly amounts of high fructose corn syrup. And so, yeah, that's an issue and that's a problem and it's caused a lot of diabetes, obesities and many other disorders. But, you know, having an apple or a coconut, I don't think that's anything to, to worry about at all. Um, now, there are the vegans who go on fruit based diets. And I think that's like uh, some of the worst things you can do. Of all the raw foodists I've seen, it is those particular uh, fruit based raw vegans who do the worst and they end up across the board looking like uh, drug addicts. Really? Wow. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a there used to be a series on YouTube called uh, Vegans at the Epitome of Malnourishment made by a channel uh, by a guy named Gattis. And he basically uh, documented all of the fruitarians out there and he put them in a, you know, he, there was like a nine part series. And these were like young 18, 20 year old kids and they were like skin and bones. Oh. In my own experience, when I was first with all this stuff, I had tried a fruit based diet. And within a month of it, my mom had an intervention. She didn't believe that it was a fruit-based diet. She thought I was doing like meth and heroin or something. She's like, you're doing some drug. I was like, I swear, you know, I, I'm just eating fruit. And she's like, oh, fruit. <laughs> you know, I, I kept believing that I'm going to adapt. What is it? You know, fruit, sugar, it's raw, it's, it's good fuel. But it totally dissolved my bone mass. I got really skinny. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you'd like to uh, ask uh, Ahmed a question or have a comment, it is uh, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com, or you can call. Nobody uses the phone anymore, but you can try it. You still may remember how to do it. 888 um, So, have you you've been able to determine why the hair turns gray? I started doing the gray thing when I was about 30, and now it's getting darker and darker as I move forward and I don't know why <laughs> so I just keep doing what I'm doing have you ever figured out why the gray thing happens is it a mineral thing or yeah and it's pretty fascinating uh, I'm convinced that it's a depletion of uh ultra rare trace mills ultra what um oh. and uh, ultra ultra rare trace minerals the, the ultra uh, gold silver germanium uh, lithium cobalt wow. these wow. kinds of minerals and to a lesser proportion of course the zinc and copper also play a significant role but i think that the lesser known minerals and elements on the periodic table which you can find in uh, certain plant foods which really concentrate this stuff can afford us the replenishment of those minerals which can re- reverse the gray hair um Two examples of these types of foods which can afford us these minerals are uh, wheatgrass juice and uh, kelp. And kelp. And uh, I argue for them because uh, for all land plants, meaning all vegetation that grows on land, the single plant which is able to bioaccumulate the most nutrition from the soil is uh, our grasses. Is grass, yeah. There is no food. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like an insanely hungry food, you know. Um, if you have ever grown wheatgrass, you see just how fast wheat will tap into the soil of the tray. If you have like an inch of soil in there, and within all of that is consumed. And I've grown, you know, dozens of different types of sprouts inside of greenhouses. And the amount of soil that uh, a tray of wheatgrass is able to consume in a week 
the next best vegetable, whether it be like broccoli or kale or spinach, when you grow those as sprouts, it takes them four to six weeks to accumulate or consume the same amount of soil that wheat would do in a week. Wow. And so it's a very hungry plant. And if you're growing this wheat grass in a very uh, strong, healthy, uh, compost and mineral rich soil, well, within that six to eight inch blade of grass, if you harvest that on the spot and then juice it, I mean, you're getting just like a strong concentration, a strong shot of uh, minerals. Yeah. You know? Another one, uh, the other one I recommend, it's not as strong, but it's the second best, I believe, would be something like a, a kelp, a seaweed. And reason for this is because it is the fastest growing land, or not land, but it's the fastest growing aquatic plant. Meaning in all the oceans, it is the kelp that grows the fastest. Uh, on average, a foot and a half a day, the average kelp plant. Really? Wow. And the reason for that is incredibly fast. And the reason for that is, is because of its ability to uh, uh, consume and absorb uh, nutrients and minerals through its blades in the ocean. And of course, the oceans are just cesspools of minerals. Um, iodine, which is a rare one you can't get from land plants, but the kelp really does come uh, in second. But people have to be careful with the kelp because the oceans are so polluted today. There's just so much stuff inside there. And oftentimes, consuming a little too much kelp can cause uh, reactions. That's what I have found. Wow. So it's smart if you're going to consume it um, like a fourth, a fifth of a teaspoon. You don't, you really don't need much of it. Oh, not a lot. And so you just soak yeah, it and figure out a way how to how to eat it, right? Figure out a way how to eat it. If you're going to take the powdered form, the powdered form, you'd want like no more than a fifth of a teaspoon. But it is better if you can just buy like a dehydrated uh, kelp uh, blades or leaves. And then just soak that in water. It'll be cut, turned into like a soft, um, uh, moist uh, kelp blade. You'll think you just harvested it out of the ocean. And if you can have a small portion of that daily with your food, um, I think it can go a long way. It's yeah. a lot better than the dried supplement. Folks, Problem is a lot of people have difficulty digesting uh, that plant. Right. Uh, folks, ladies and gentlemen, we have uh, um, uh, we mentioned uh, Shen Blossom. I mean, he's got some very, very nice well-sourced-out kelp on Shen Blossom on one radio network. You can soak it. I guess you just, just get it down you some way, right? Chop it up and eat it or whatever, right? Exactly. Put it in a smoothie. Find something. Now, now the reason why I do believe that it's the trace minerals which cause the graying of the hair or the return of color to the hair was in my own experience when I've gone through uh, periods of intense work and stress, I noticed that I started to pop gray hairs out on my beard and uh, in my hair. And, um, you know, these periods of intense stress coincided with long uh, work hours out in the field, designing a farm in the middle of nowhere, you know, sleeping in a tent, drinking coffee, multiple cups a day, and just working very hard in the sun. And when I'd come home, I'd go on uh, like high doses of wheatgrass juice and the gray hairs would all reverse back to their original color. And, I then would thought, well, okay, it must be the minerals in here. And I looked to see if I could find other anecdotal evidence of this. And of course, the indigenous tribes, which have very high mineral foods in their diets, such as like the seaweed or the bamboo, they do not gray at all, even huh. when they're in their you know, age. And then there's people like the Clements at the Hippocrates Health Institute that basically worship wheatgrass juice. And if you look at Brian Serra, I mean, that guy's hair is like a, a chachachia. It's pretty fascinating. You know, It's literally its own life form on his head. And um, 
he, you know, at their institute, they're growing some of the best wheatgrass you can find because of the quality of their soil. Huh. Uh, there's an interesting old couple on YouTube. If you search it yourself, uh, wheatgrass reversed our gray hair, you'll find them. They're a much older couple, maybe in their 70s or 80s, and they were juicing high amounts of wheatgrass juice daily. And they returned their, they restored their original hair color. It was like very gray and it returned to um, like golden blonde. No kidding. And they attributed it to the wheatgrass juice. And so, so I was like, you go yeah, on YouTube, you YouTube them, you'll, and then you just put in there wheatgrass. Reverse my gray hair. Oh, something like reverse. I, I, <laughs> um, so because he's he hasn't consumed any plant matter for many months now, when he first consumes anything, it's he's going to react to it because he doesn't have the gut flora to digest it. I would advise that he start with fermented plant foods such as kimchi, sauerkraut, and the likes of that. Okay. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. The reason and the reason why traditional cultures fermented most of the plant foods is because they understood that it made them more bio bioavailable, and many many of the other probiotic. Uh, health factors that they can offer. Um, if he wants to go for starches, the ones that I would recommend uh, are white rice. I'd recommend starting with that uh, first. And reason why white rice is essentially because it's pure glucose. It's a seed that has had its husk or shell removed and you're left with just a pure shot of glucose at that point. So there's no anti-nutrients. You're going to have minimal irritation or inflammation from consuming a seed or grain such as white rice. Ah, ah. And then from there, you can, uh, you know, incorporate potatoes and yams or whatever else you want. Uh -huh. So that would be like a an organic jasmine rice, something simple like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, Gundry, you know, the SIBO guy? Gundry talks about the lectins and all that stuff in grains. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, he, he had suggested, we had him on the show a few times, that the jasmine rice was one of the easiest to digest for some reason. And he always recommended that for people that have this intestinal bile thing kind of messed up, you know. Yeah, and I very often point out in my uh, published works and on my YouTube that, you know, white rice was consumed from, from the Middle East, from Lebanon or Israel, all the way across Asia, uh, into East Asia for many millennia. And it was for a reason. It was because it was the purest form of glucose that they could find that was the most bioavailable and digestible and offered little to no natural plant pesticides or biochemicals which could harm our gut. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, I've been eating uh, grass-fed beef tallow, grass organic. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that's, that is cooked. It has to be cooked, right, to get it into a jar. You think there's any issues mm -hmm. with that? And uh, because it's been cooked? Um, ultimately, it's very subjective. If, it, if yeah. you don't feel like it's fatiguing you no, or causing you brain brain, yeah. no problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like I, I, I have um, cooked butter, you know, it's a pasteurized butter, okay. like Kerrygold, for example. Sure. Um, I don't find many issues with that. I, I find that um, the fats, uh, concentrated fats, like the ghee or butter, or the tallow, there's not as much uh, of a problem as you would have with like lots of cooked carbohydrates or cooked proteins. I see, yeah. Yeah, we, we can get, well, I go to an Amish farm up in Pennsylvania and get the raw butter, and uh, that's mm -hmm. real fun to just take spoonfuls of that. Boy, that's like, 
it's like eating God, you know, you drink that, and you, it's like, whoa, it's like, whoa, whoa. Is it a very gold butter, very strong orange in it? Um, yeah, yeah, and it's an A2 cow too, you know, the supposedly oh, wow. the, the good moo cows, you know, the Amish, they're totally into it. They're, they're some cool people, you know, you get, you can get raw goat's milk from them. Um, <clears throat> I do, do you know Ray Pete? Do you know Ray Pete? Remember his work? Oh, I love Ray Pete. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was on our show for two or three years every month. Just a wonderful guy. And as you know, he, he left uh, the earth plane, I guess, on uh, Thanksgiving. But he, he was a big fan of milk and also, also orange juice. He just thought orange juice was like the best stuff ever. And you know, it's funny, uh, at six or seven months, Ahmed with no fruit, well, a few blueberries, I just bought a whole quart of a, or a half gallon of orange juice the other day, and I've been drinking that in the middle of the night. And I tell you what, you, whoa, it's like, you talk about drinking God, you drink that and mix it up with your saliva and just put it down there. And I said to myself uh, this morning, about four in the morning, I said, there's no way that stuff is not good for me. There's just no way that product is not good for me. I don't care what the carnivores say. You know what I'm uh, saying? Whoa, man, shoo. Uh, in the orange juice is incredible. Um, hmm. it, it, one of my books, Nutritional Fortification and Physical Development, uh, that book is written for younger people who are trying to develop their skeletal frame and muscle mass through nutrition. Hmm. And um, it's not, you know, uh, it doesn't pertain to like weight loss or any type of disease reversal or anything like that. It's purely my thesis on how to build a strong body through nutrition. All right. I draw Western A. Price's work, my own experience in, in the, the primal diet, Ogenus's work. And something that I uh, advocate for is the inclusion of orange juice in the diet. I'll be done. Specifically orange juice. Specifically orange juice. And um, I, of course, the, that particular element, I learned of it from Ray Pete. Ah. Uh, it blocks cortisol, uh, it will let the body rest. You can store it as liver glycogen, and if you consume enough, you can store it as fat. And this, again, this book is for kids who are trying to develop. You know, they don't want to lose weight. They're underweight and skinny, and they're saying, I need to put on muscle and fat. And I have found that um, in contrast to all the other juices, such as an apple juice, for example, orange juice uh, enhances my digestion of almost all foods and yes. the reason i believe this is is because of its acidic nature being very similar to the natural stomach acid that we produce where something like an apple juice will just neutralize all of it because it's so sweet and cause a lot of indigestion and small intestinal bacterial overgrowth so orange juice oh my god no it's amazing there's a reason why 100 years ago it was at every breakfast with the uh sure. sausage and, and yeah you yeah. know they knew so this is the uh kindle book i'm looking at Nutritional Fortification for Physical Development. Is that the one you were just talking? Yeah. I'm going to get that one. I mean, look at this. 495 Kindle. I mean, come on. Forget about it. That's great. That's great. Even I can afford that. Talk show host, you know? In my own experience with this, I, I published before and after pictures on YouTube of my own journey where I embarked on a nutritional fortification diet. That's what I term it. Um. And by incorporating the ideas inside of that book in a year uh, or in a span of about 15 to 16 months, I put on 70 pounds of mass. Whoa. And all I was doing was 20 push-ups a day and 20 body squats every single morning. I wasn't going to the gym. 
And people tell me, well, that you got fat, but you know, after 70 pounds, I mean, I'm still, I'm, I'm lean, I'm strong. And I didn't, I have abs, but sure. There's a, it's not like 5% body fat. I have maybe about 15, 14% body fat, but I still have a good definition. And I tell people, um, you know, when I talk to them in person, that it's because I did it with the proper nutrition. I incorporated the right ideas. And the basis of all of this is uh, I built my body on the proper foods and I wouldn't let my body go into catabolism. So I would not go like longer than six or seven hours without eating. And I also wasn't removing any macronutrients because, you know, you can go carnivore and remove all carbs and you're going to dwindle away. Or you can go vegan and go high carb and remove all fat and you also dwindle away. And so in the book, I basically teach how to incorporate all these foods together in a digestible manner that can help build the body rapidly. And so you gained 70 pounds of muscle in how long? It was muscle and fat and a lot of bone mass. It uh-huh. was done in about six months. Wow. And you know, this, this was um, lots of raw eggs, lots of butter, lots of fresh pressed oils, uh, lots of cooked and raw meat, lots of cream cheese, huh. uh, orange juice, lots of organ supplements. They were crucial in this process, pancreas, kidney, liver, brain. Um, and I wouldn't recommend people to do something like that long term because I was eating a lot. And uh, I had just finished reading Weston A. Price's work. I was like, well, that's fascinating. My wisdom teeth are still submerged under the gums. Let's are, see if I can do this. And are they really? Today, all my wisdom teeth are are fine. They, they My skull increased in capacity and all of my teeth came out just fine. Whereas prior, they were submerged under the gums. Uh, I thought that they were always going to be submerged under the gums. And, you know, I have before and after pictures on the YouTube video. If you just go into my channel and scroll down enough, it's uh, I think the title is How I raw animal foods, how I gained 70 pounds of mass. And you see, like, literally my skull and head grew in size. I was basically like a size medium, and then I went to a size extra large. <laughs> and um, That's again, these are all based yeah. on personal experience, but also a lot of ideas pertaining to Weston A. Price. Mm-hmm. We started a, an exercise program. Um, I can show you a little picture here. I guess about three months ago, uh, Dr. Ja... Uh, Dr. Jaquish, and it's a variable resistance. So you see you got this bar with these uh, latex bands, and he's standing on a plate, right? And so what you're doing is you're, you're like, so on here he's maybe doing a, a row or a, or a bicep curl, but you never take the pressure off of the muscle. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? So in other words, you're, um, let's see if I can tell. So say you're doing a, um, uh, high high press thing, and you're standing on a mat, and you got these um, um, these latex bands. So you're going up here like this. So you got pressure, and then you're bringing it down like this. But then you still have pressure in all the muscles and the shoulders and everything. So you never take it off like with weights. And then you go back mm-hmm. up, and it's variable resistance. And you keep doing it for as long as you can until you just until you, you know, you just go to failure. You can't move. Then you're done, right? And uh, it's really cool. It's only 15 minutes a day, and you do all the body parts, and then you do it the next day. And um, I've really gained some muscle in the last three months, uh, and you never soar. That's what's crazy. You never uh, soar, ever. You just keep doing it. And, you know, with regular weights, you have to... Uh, 
wait a few days, right? Because you're actually tearing the fibers of the muscle, but this you don't. So now doing this X3, and if I could do your little, I want to do that. I want to get this book and really power up and see if I can put on some put on some muscle here, you know? That'd be fun. Well, one one uh, side note to it, though. Of course, as we age, the, the, um, the results that we can uh, accomplish from this would lessen and lessen because a lot of the skeletal structure and frame is set in place. Nonetheless, there's always the potential to build a bit more. Oh, well, you know, know you know me, I don't believe in the aging thing. It's I think that's all oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's all just a, a made up thing that somebody came up with, you know. So I don't I don't yeah, go there. Yeah. Thank you. I just don't do that. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, cause people, you know what I mean? Cause, well, yeah, because people say, well, you know, when you get to be 40, well, then you decrease the testosterone. Well, I've got my oh. body 76. And last time I did a test in testosterone, I came back big red. It's too high. So I, oh, yeah, wow. it's too high. It's too high. I think it was like 900 or something. You know, I don't. Wow. Wow. Uh, so I don't believe any of that stuff, you know. And you, oh. you know, I could turn you on to some of this anti-aging, uh, pro-youthing and talk to you, yeah. and uh, you, I could I could help you just stay right where you are forever if you want to do that. I don't know if you want to do that. I mean, Earth can get pretty- We'd have to do this again, and I'd probably have to interview you and- Yeah, you yeah, talk. do, yeah, please do, have me on, yeah. and we'll just talk about it, because I, and this is not something, things, virus that I've seen, that I've read on a book and just repeating. These are things that I've actually talked to my spiritual master about, said, you know, I'd really like to stick around to help out because I don't want to reincarnate and come back and then do it again. And then why do that? Why don't I just stay, right? Why don't I just stay and then help help souls wake up to wake up and smell the coffee, you know? So teach me how to do this. So I'm working with a spiritual master by the name of Yabo Sakabi. And he's he's had his body mm, six or 700 years. He lives in the Hindu Kish Mountains and I work with him on the inner planes, and he actually teaches you how to do it. Uh, but it's pretty much just, pretty much whatever you believe is, is you know, works. <laughs> Interesting, he's in the uh, Hindu Kush Mountains. I have, you know, uh, the Hindu Kush Mountains? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a, a place called uh, uh, Agam Des, which is uh, populated by uh, a, a group of uh, um, Ek masters called the uh, Eshwar Dang uh, Kanal. Kan I can say Eshwar Kanale, and they are called God eaters, and they just eat God. They don't do food. They just eat God, and they you just keep your body for as long as you want, you know. And then they work with people around Earth to people that want to get more knowledge like your teachers and they'll come to you in the dream state and and if you want all you got to do is ask them say i don't you know you know how it is when you ask god for something it comes right it just it just just comes in it's great yeah we'll do that yeah let me hey, invite me on uh, it'll be fun um <laughs> here's one from daryl um they listen to me too carefully sometimes so don't don't um Patrick has been talking about using pure, real sea salt for about a week in his water and really having some good effects from it, and I am. Uh, and what does your guest think about this? 
Uh, yeah, they are sea salt and um, like powdered electrolytes. It's something I incorporate daily. I've noticed an incredible enhancement in my health by uh, incorporating them. Do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So the sea salt uh, has the electrolytes, right? It does, but I find for I don't know what exactly it is. The sea salt has the electrolytes, but I find that when I add additional powdered electrolytes from like a pharmacy, um, I have even more energy. And I, I do think that I went into severe depletion at one point because I have been using infrared saunas yeah. for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't using electrolytes and salts. And so, you know, first I incorporated electrolytes when I found out that this is the issue and I got better. Then I incorporated sea salt. I was like, wow, that's even better. And now I just do both and it keeps me very well hydrated and I haven't noticed any bad effects, just positive and love, yeah. a lot more energy. I know it's the same thing. I was doing the saunas every day, but I didn't get the electrolyte thing, you know, and the same thing. And then when I start doing the, the sea salt, I've just cut down my peeing like in half. I mean, so mm -hmm. I'm retaining the water just with the sea salt. But you, you're actually doing some extra ones too, you think are wealth worth it? Yeah, and I, you know, I have no um, logical reason for why it may be. I just uh, sense that I feel better when I incorporate the additional electrolytes as well. And do you have a brand or something that you like? That you? No, I don't. I mean, here in Thailand, I just go to the local pharmacy and I get there. You know, they have a lower version, like normal electrolytes, and they have the extreme diarrhea version. And I'm always getting the diarrhea version that has a lot more sodium. <laughs> and that works very well for me. It's like a more high concentration of electrolytes. So what is it? Sodium, potassium, um, magnesium? Uh-huh. And I think sometimes they have some calcium in there as well. Some calcium in there as well. Wow. And I notice I'm doing really well with that. Huh. Um, but I'm not particular over a brand. I've, I've never experimented. To, well, I've experimented with perhaps a dozen or so different brands, and each of them does well for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I think uh, your big message here this morning is that you are very aware and paying attention of your body and who you are and what you want to do and your goals and you incorporate that all in and what I'm hearing from you of what you eat so you can figure out what to eat. <laughs> That's the only way you can do it, isn't it? Yeah, I ultimately, you know, me through my published works and my YouTube videos, I kind of just show some signs and guideposts, but ultimately each individual has to come in sense and in touch with their own body to really gauge what they need. You know, it's very difficult for me, like, for example, I have the belief that too much protein, excessive protein, stresses the kidneys. Right. Um, and people will ask me, well, how much grams per pound of body weight should I consume? And I'm like, well, if you're tired after your meat meal, you've had too much. <laughs> I can't, you know, I don't even know the person on YouTube.com. And I'm like, how can I tell you how much protein you yourself need? If you get, and I'd say, again, it's as simple as gauge your own energy levels. Are you uh -huh. getting excessively fatigued? It's too much protein, most likely. Yeah. Yeah. I found too the last two or three months, I just keep eating less and less, and I don't lose any weight, which is, you know, mm -hmm. really, I think thinking more in terms of getting it from spirit and God, because you know the yeah. broccoli is just a medium, right, of exchange, <laughs> yeah. pretty much, you know, and I'm finding too, boy, I'm so, just a little bit of meat is doing me up rather than what I used to do when I first started carnivore, just a little bit of meat, you know. Are you familiar with him? 
What's this? This is the immortal uh, true accounts of the 250-year-old man. Uh, his name was Lee King Yun. No. And uh, authored by Yang Sen. Hmm. Have you ever heard of this book? No, but I wanted. I want to. Wow. Excellent book. Um, this man basically lived to 250 years of age. Wow. A great book that I just finished recently. And um, there are records that the Chinese government have congratulating him on his 100th, 150th, 200th, and 250th birthday. <laughs> and there are records of people talking about how their great-great-grandfathers knew him. And huh. it, this is not like a few people. This is like an entire valley of hundreds of people who all acknowledge that, yes, our great-great-great-grandfathers knew the guy. And there's just a lot of supporting evidence uh, supporting the fact that he lived to 250 years of age. And people tell me it's bullshit. You know, I've talked, I've talked to a lot of people about this. And I remind them that in these, he was a Tao master, first off, a Tao master. Uh, and I remind people that in these spiritual traditions, one of the worst vices, the most shameless things that a man can do is lie. Ah, yeah. It is like, right, right, right. And this man lived in the mountains collecting herbs and mushrooms and would come down occasionally and give wisdom to people. He had no financial incentive to lie right. like today you know you have all kinds of charlatans <laughs> selling you know, stuff <laughs> i don't want to take someone's name but there was this guy using his physique to sell supplements then he was exposed that he was using steroids and yeah, just normal capitalistic society you know who gives a crap but in the spiritual cultures around the world to lie was very shameful yeah. so i remind people of that. and part of the secret of his longevity was the energy from god yeah, was it? And yeah, yeah. yeah it's the whole second half of the book is his dialogue with different students and masters talking about the energy of the Tao. Hmm. It is not this, it is not that. He confuses them and makes them destroy their mind so that they can get into that state. Yes, sir. That's great. Which, which, which is where, you know, forget, like you said, the broccoli is the medium. Forget the broccoli, go straight to it. <laughs> um, yeah. And they talked about like how he was invited by a Chinese general to come and give a speech somewhere. And they asked him what he wanted to eat. And he said, give me like three, four bowls of white rice. And he was eating the rice. And then he looked around and he actually grabbed some chicken. And he like took small slithers, like thin, thin slithers. And, let, and he sprinkled it on his meat. And that's all he ate. That's, and that was able to sustain him. And he finally, he, he said himself, I don't eat meat. But nonetheless, he still picked up the chicken. And like, not yeah. even like thick strips. It was literally like, you know, if you were to skin a carrot. A little homeopathic. That's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so um, my personal belief on longevity is that we can actually go many thousands of years. I believe you're right. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And people may say that's bullshit, <laughs> but the, every, every biological organism at a bare minimum, if it's in its natural environment, will live seven times its maturity. So, for example, if a type of worm matures in seven days, it can live to 49 days. So if humans mature at 20, we can go to 140. And there are many centenarian cultures, like in the Caucasus, that go 120, 130, 140 right. easy. But uh, according to my own philosophical education, um, that I had detained from the Sufi orders I was in, uh, we humans exist in a, a cyclical loop of eternity uh, that is composed of cycles. Uh, in India, it was called the yugas. 
Yes. And in the Western Greek tradition, you know, it's gold, silver, bronze, and iron age. And the idea is that in the gold and silver ages, we live far longer because we have the spiritual technology and intelligence to enhance our natural 140 years prerequisite and enhance it to 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 years. My belief is that these ancient uh, megalithic temples around the world from Mesoamerica that the uh, Olmec and Toltec left behind or what was left behind in Egypt, these ziggurats in Iraq, that these were actual uh, structures designed to enhance the human bioenergetic energy field and preserve it. Yeah. And we've simply lost the technology and how to utilize these things. And that's why when you look at like the Sumerian kings list, the first kings were living thousands of years. But as soon as you go to like three, four thousand BC, they start cutting down to 300 years, 200 years, 100 years, 50 years. Wow. Wow. People can say it's mythology and bullshit. I, I don't I, think I don't it think, is. And I've researched a lot of the lost history. And I mean, there's no way they could have built these things, these buildings, without energy that they were getting from spirit. And somehow they were, because they all had these antennas on the top, and then they had these circuits, and then they used batteries, you know, bricks with water, you know, you've known. And they just get it out of the air. They all had energy. I mean, you couldn't build these things if with a hammer and a, you know, and a horse. No way. No way. <laughs> There's no way, man. There's no way. Boy, they, were, they were harnessing the electromagnetic energy of the yeah, universe. That's right. Yeah. You know, the all that stuff. And didn't Steiner talk about that? I mean, he was he was all into that, right? Yeah. He did. Yeah. Steiner also believed, as I believe, that these planets were not some rocks floating around out there, that they were living spiritual beings. And yeah. I I know I can't I can't prove it, but I know the moon is not solid and it's just a living being shedding its own light and this whole thing of the light from the it's just all made up man it's just (laughs) there's that quote from plato and i may butcher it a little bit but because you know our western world you know we're very people have taken a lot of adderall and they've gone through academia and everything's bullshit unless some greek philosopher said it was true so (laughs) i'll quote plato here and he had a quote that went something like this world is indeed a living, breathing being, which gives birth to myriad forms of living, breathing beings. Mm, wow. So, you know, one of the, the fathers of Western philosophy admitted that this Gaia, the planet Earth, is a living creature. Yeah. And that the whole cosmos is a living creature. So All connected in one and separate connected. at the same time. It's pretty trippy, huh? Yeah. Brother, I have so much, <laughs> I really enjoy talking to you. Would you come back again sometime? Oh, I'd love to, but I think I'd like to interview you as well before we do. Yeah, just me let me know. Back yeah, here. just email me and I hook me up. You know, I'm a ham. I'll, I'll come on. You know, <laughs> I'll do anything. <laughs> I'll do anything for fun. So um, we have to go because we're going to do another show. But um, so the where folks can really find you, your books on Amazon, and just put in mm-hmm. your name, uh, Varis Ahmad, A H M A D, and then on YouTube. You have a YouTube channel, and they can find all kinds of fun things there, right? All kinds of fun things there. Yeah, yeah, and just search my name. They'll find my YouTube channel. Okay. Well, you got me all crazy uh, interested now in, in wheatgrass because I'd like to, you know, get my hair just get back, you know. It'd be fun, you know, just to say, look, look, the hair is all, all the gray is gone. I think that's your ticket, don't you? One of them, anyway. 
Definitely. If I can give you some advice yeah. on how to make it really potent, when you take the shot, wait about a minute or two, and then uh, bend over with your uh, head below your heart and with the wooden comb, start combing your hair. And that will channel the minerals and nutrition into the scalp area. Oh, how cool. So it's a, it's a wooden yeah. comb. It's a wooden. See, you got all these really great yeah. secrets, man. Look at your hair. You look like, you know, you're 12, much less 30. <laughs> yeah, this is what I do. And it helps a lot. My, I have a younger brother who's pretty bald. My father's bald. All my cousins my age are bald and all my uncles are bald. Right. And so, and it's it's I would have been bald, but I simply understood what the causes were, and I you know yeah. stopped that. Yeah. Well, you could, if you could figure out and put this in a bottle, I mean, you could uh, you could be like Bill Gates; you'd be a billionaire, you know, <laughs> selling, selling <laughs> something people could squirt on their hair. Right? That's what everybody wants, yeah. right? No, just, no, let me buy something here. I just want to buy something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you, brother. Thank you. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Let me know if we can do anything. And uh, we'll see you real soon. Thanks for being on the show. Sorry about the internet stuff, but we, we, we onward through the fog. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Thank I'm you. At, uh, Varys Ahmad, Patrick Timpone, OneRadioNetwork.com. Boy, he's, what a cool guy. I'm so glad I found him. So, you know, you guys sent me just an email of him, and, and, you know, that's how we did it. And, and, um, so we're going to just regroup and do a little show on uh, uh, talk about money. What is money? What is abundance? And how to get become more abundant? And that's a good thing, right? Well, that was fun, man. I got some really cool ideas. Okay, so I will see you in about ten minutes or so. Let me know if we can help with anything. We still have that one sauna. Somebody wants to get it for eleven ninety five. Email me and. Uh, Thanks for um, looking at our website. If you see something, float your boat. Uh, that's how we make a living around here, so don't be shy. Uh, I love you. We'll see you. We'll see you real soon. Just a few minutes. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is one radionetwork.com. <laughs>